Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening and God bless. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. I said to myself, come, I will make you experience pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But this too was pointless. Merriment, I thought, is madness. Pleasure of no use at all. I tried cheering myself with wine and by embracing folly, with wisdom still guiding me, until I might see what is really worth doing in the few days that human beings have under heaven. I took on great projects. I built houses for myself, planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself, planting every kind of fruit tree in them. I made reservoirs for myself to water my lush groves. I acquired male servants and female servants. I even had slaves born in my house. I also had great herds of cattle and sheep, more than any who preceded me in Jerusalem. I amassed silver and gold for myself, the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers for myself, along with every human luxury, treasure chests galore. So I became far greater than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Moreover, my wisdom stood by me. I refrained from nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Indeed, my heart found pleasure from the results of my hard work, and that was the reward from all my hard work. But when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had worked so hard to achieve, I realized that it was pointless, a chasing after wind. Nothing is to be gained under the sun. May God grant a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Good morning, church. My name is Emily McGinley, and I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here at Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn, and it is so good to be back in this space. Uh, if you are new here, then you wouldn't know that we, or maybe you, you showed up in the last couple of weeks, um, we have not been worshiping in this space for the last couple of weeks um, and taking a little bit of a break to um, worship as one church, um, in, uh, as Foresight's uh, worshiping one church, and so uh, it's good to be home. It feels like being at home. Um, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. God, we give you thanks for the gift that it is to take time away and to return. Um, and we thank you for this new year and all of the ways that it um, uh, ignites within us a desire to maybe um, start fresh, uh, start anew, to make changes that uh, can help us be more aligned with your purposes in our lives. And so we pray that as we uh, begin um, this year and, and as we gather together around your word this morning, that uh, your spirit would move within us, maybe even in spite of us, um, so that uh, all of those hopes and aspirations that we carry within us, that you planted within us, um, might be cultivated and uh, bear fruit. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 
So this past holiday break, um, I was talking with a friend of mine, um, a really just great, intelligent, dependable, uh, good person. Um, and, but as an adult, he's kind of tended to live a, a fairly unattached life. He's smart and hardworking, um, but hasn't really cared all that much about the jobs that he's had until a couple of years ago um, when he decided to make the leap to become a professional poker player. And with poker, he felt like he had finally found something that he was passionate about and was proud to be identified with. And he had done pretty well for himself until last summer when he just kind of hit this losing streak. And it was a long stretch, but he finally kind of made his way back to a better spot and is back at it. Um, the whole experience of it, though, kind of spooked him. And it wasn't so much really around poker, but more in terms of the kinds of like questions that it stirred up within him. Um, questions of self-doubt, of personal worth, of what makes for a meaningful life. All of those kinds of questions started to rise sort of uncomfortably to the top of his consciousness. Now, he's not an especially religious person, but it doesn't take religion, I think, for those kinds of soul questions to make their way to the forefront of our minds. These are, I think, human questions. Questions that find their way to scratch in the rear of our consciousness at some point, if we're at all thoughtful or a reflective kind of person. And the driving force behind that question, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I feel like I'm coming up short. In a way, that's what we'll be exploring over the next few months, or a few weeks, sorry, <laughs> in our sermon series, The Pursuit of Meaning. Lots of people start off the new year with hopes and goals and promises for self-improvement. Some of that is around money management or making more man money to manage. Um, spiritual disciplines, physical health, um, mental wellness practices or just like decluttering life. One friend of mine dubbed 2018 the, her year of no after being overscheduled, unrested, and altogether not present in the ways that she wanted to be. It's a good instinct, I think, to want to make better choices. And if a new year kind of kicks you into gear for that, I'm all for it. But while all of those things can help improve the quality of your life, they don't necessarily guarantee a deeper sense of satisfaction in what you're doing with your portion of time and space on Earth. And what you do with your portion on Earth is the focus for our author um, of this passage today. When, we, when people hear about Ecclesiastes, uh, I think that old song uh, by the birds often comes to mind. Uh, which is actually in chapter 3, um, then you've missed the premise. Because here in chapter 2, what we've just read, is where we see this old fella called Kohelet, which basically means teacher, is up to. Kohelet isn't just a teacher, he's also a king. Many people think that he's King Solomon based on some of the things that he says, but he never kind of cops to it. He decides that he's going to take this logical, scientifically objective approach to understanding what makes for a well-lived satisfying life. He says, come now, I will take, make a test of pleasure. And because he's a king, it means he's got the coins and the clout to make it happen. So he starts at the top of the list, the list with all of the things that we've been told that are a path to living a well-lived, satisfying life. 
From top to bottom and back up again, he goes at it from all angles, partying, civic projects, acquiring servants and cultivating their families, valuable cattle, vast fortunes, supporting the arts, concubines, and all of the delights of the flesh, all of this and more, topped by the pleasure of doing your own hard work by your own two hands to become the greatest of all time. He worked that list inside and out, did all the things with all his money and all his time and all his intellect and all the everything, and he came up short. It was all pointless, he says. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had worked so hard to achieve, I realized that it was pointless, a chasing after the wind. Merriment is madness, pleasure is useless, nothing is to be gained under the sun, he says. Here is a guy who's got it all, who tried to make a complete test of pleasure, who scratched every itch we've ever had to scratch, if all, and if all the of all the things that we thought were, were the right path, um, is still missing the mark. If that's the case, then what is the true way to fulfillment? Well, Emily Esfahani Smith um, decided that she was going to get to the bottom of this question. She says, I used to think the whole purpose of life was pursuing happiness. Everyone said the path to happiness was success. So I searched for the, that ideal job, that perfect boyfriend, that beautiful apartment. But instead of ever feeling fulfilled, I felt anxious and adrift. And she saw this same situation at work among her friends and decided eventually to go to graduate school to study positive psychology to learn what makes people happy. And she went on to write a book called The Power of Meaning finding fulfillment in a world obsessed with happiness. She even gave a TED talk on the topic. What she found in her research was that the suicide rate has been rising around the world and reaching a 30-year high in the US. She found that even though life is getting objectively better by nearly every measurable standard, more people feel hopeless, more people feel depressed, and more people feel alone. And what predicts this despair is not a lack of happiness, she says, it's a lack of meaning in life. Many psychologists, she says, define happiness as a state of comfort and ease, of feeling good in the moment, of having all of your needs met. But meaning, she says, is deeper. It's about belonging to and serving something beyond yourself and developing the best within you as well. People who have meaning in life, she says, they're more resilient, they do better in school and at work, and they even live longer. So what makes for a meaningful life? Well, at first blush, the Kohelet isn't especially helpful, I think. He, it seems like he sort of throws up his hands by the end of the chapter and says, everything comes from God, so you know you might as well just like roll with it and take the best that you can from what you get. And in fact, he says kind of variations of the same thing throughout Ecclesiastes. But if you circle around again, if you reread it and you kind of dig a little deeper, you'll see that his message isn't so much eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow will die but rather something a little bit less flippant, a little bit closer to the earth. Because there's this word that shows up several times throughout Ecclesiastes, helic. And depending on how it's used, it gets translated as portion, reward, or lot. The most common way that Koholet uses it is to sort of talk about the space that is allotted for our human existence. He sees life as a sort of kind of like plot of land that we've inherited. And what is ours to be gained is what can be grown and harvested from that plot of life land, so to speak. The joy and the sorrow, the crookeds and the straits. 
And I'll admit, I struggle a little bit with this perspective. Maybe it's my millennialism or my relatively youthful age, but I sort of chafe against this idea of limitation, right? But once I get over myself, I have to admit, I live within certain realities, right? Gender, shape, health, religion, all of that is a sort of helic of sorts. I'm relatively healthy and I don't struggle with size or shape. I didn't grow up wealthy, uh, well-connected, or especially gifted, except, of course, with my stunning personality <laughs> and my exceptional humility. Um, as a person living in this day and age, I benefit from social, educational, and technological advancements that those who were born before me didn't have access to. And I'm probably held back by those advancements that have yet to be made. You, I, we, we have a certain helic in life, a, a portion lot and rewards. Some of it comes easy and some of it comes after going through the fire, but all of it is specific to us and where we find ourselves in the world. And so what do we do with our helic? How do we not only make the most of our pleasure and our more kind of hedonistic desires, um, but also our soul satisfaction, right? And those deeper desires that have less to do with us specifically and more to do with the bigger thing that we are connected to in this world? How do we live meaningfully with our portion of life land? Well, over the next few weeks, to help us explore what that looks like, we'll take a closer look at the life of Moses. Now, there's a guy who has had at least four reboots to his life. Unlike Kohelet, the pursuit of meaning was much more than an interesting philosophical experiment for Moses. As an adopted Hebrew baby, Moses always carried within him a deep discomfort and anxiety around his identity. Maybe it was the shade of his skin or the shape of his eyes, the kink of his hair or the spread of his nostrils, or maybe it was the quality of his soul that kept him from feeling at ease in the world of royal privilege and access that he was brought up in. Regardless though, no matter how high quality the education, no matter how much access he had to power or opportunity or wealth, he just couldn't stop feeling like he was missing something. And so he dedicated his life to the task of understanding and living more closely to that missing something. As she compiled her research and began to make sense of it all, Emily Esfahani Smith identified four pillars that make up a meaningful life. Belonging, purpose, transcendence, and storytelling. In many ways, Moses pursued these pillars and found his way toward a meaningful life. And not always gracefully, but more often than not faithfully, or as faithfully as he could. To the best of his ability, Moses pursued his portion for all that it offered, sometimes getting it right, sometimes not. Um, he made some pretty significant and challenging decisions, I think, that burned bridges, uh, but also built new ones that replaced inner chaos with deep purpose, that broke independence and constructed faith and interdependence. And through it all, he wrote a story for his life that held incredible meaning for him, and I think for us today. Our helic is measured less by what we accumulate or accomplish, which can be terribly hard to hear for those of us who tend to be goal-oriented, myself included. Instead, the quality of our helic is determined by the communities that we belong to and build the sense of purpose that we derive from our life's activities, our connection to something greater than ourselves, and the stories that we tell about who we are and how we have lived and what we are for in this world. There are things that we can control about the direction and events of our lives, and there are things that we can't. 
Most of us aren't bawling like King Solomon, but as he found out from his most scientific inquiry, it turns out that you don't need to be bawling in order to have a life that is full of meaning, purpose, and depth. And so I think Colette's, this is Colette's good news for us. Each one of us, in spite of who we are, in spite of all that we are, or all that we've done, or all that has been done to us, each of us has within our possession the things that we need that can help us live a meaning-filled life. It doesn't cost a thing. God made sure of that. All that is required is our willingness to pursue it. And so I hope that you'll continue to join us every Sunday and dig into those four pillars, dig into the life of Moses, and begin to think, reflect, pray about what it is that is being called from within you to pursue that life full of meaning. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you have given us the gift of life with all of the, the hedonistic pleasures, good food and friendship and music and exciting adventures to be on, but also that you don't allow us to be satisfied with just those things, but that you call us to a deeper sense of purpose that we cannot be satisfied without a deeper sense of meaning that we are pursuing in our lives. And so I pray, God, that as we begin this new year and as we live our life together as a community, that you would help us to apply our hearts and our minds and our souls to that work of meaning-making, of the pursuit of meaning, that this world might know more than just the good gifts that it offers on the surface, but that it might be more deeply rooted in the good gifts that you offer to each one of us by being connected to something greater than our individual selves. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, who showed us what it meant to live a meaningful life, that it could be both one that is filled with sorrow and with challenge, but also deep joy and hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>